Hello, everybody. Adam Parks here with another episode of Receivables Roundtable. And today I'm here with my good friend, Mr. Rob Fight with TEC and Latitude. How are you doing today, Rob? Oh, I'm fantastic. Good to be on with you today. I greatly appreciate you coming on. And I know that you've been on an episode before because we've really gotten into some great discussions through the years at conferences. But for anyone who's not as lucky as me to get to know you personally through the years, can you tell everyone a little bit about yourself and how you got to the seat that you're in today? Wow. Uh, sure. Glad to do that. Uh, if you can't tell for the gray hair or no hair, I've been in the industry about 30 years now. And uh, been everything from the analytics scoring side, uh, building models all the way through to uh, running whole divisions at LexisNexis, a data guy, if you will, and then startup technology company. And then uh, most recently, I'm at TEC, where I'm representing the Latitude software. Awesome. So tell us, every, everybody, a little bit about what it is that you guys do at TEC and what Latitude is. Wow. Yeah, it's exciting times at TEC. Um, one, uh, we are expanding very quickly to provide mm -hmm. a much broader set of solutions. Back in the day, it was all about we would provide implementation, integration type of work. Right. And uh, today we've expanded past that to be offering whole solution sets, if you will, uh, beyond just the integration. So we are partners with a number of different technology organizations, typically the ones that are either name brand or the uh, ones that are selected that are up and coming. And mm. what we're doing is, is bringing them all together so that the each organization that's in need of those types of things doesn't have to go all over the industry trying to find those. <laughs> we help them represent best of breed and we can help figure out which pieces, parts work best for us or for them, I should say. Sure, so it gives you kind of a, um... Uh, a holistic approach to solving problems, meaning you're coming in with a whole set of solutions and available pieces and parts. And I know one of those is Latitude, which as we were kind of talking about as we were prepping for the call, right? Latitude by Genesis is a system of record. And that's kind of like the center of the universe for collections operation, right? Like that is the, oh, yeah. um, oh God, my partner always says it this way. He says it's the single source of truth. Right. Like that's that single source of truth within your data sets. And then you're able to build on all of these additional pieces and parts around it, which is a little bit of what I wanted to talk to you about today. So from a solutioning standpoint, right, because you've never you've always been in a quote unquote sales role, but you're more of a solutions type of person. And that's how we've gotten into such deep conversations sure. being you know mutual data nerds through the years. But, you know, what does that environment look like today as you're kind of looking to build the right technology? technology stack for a receivables firm? Yeah, good question. And and it, it's quickly evolving or has been evolving. Uh, I know everybody thinks of the collection system, Latitude, if you will, mm -hmm. as the holy grail. Let me go get a new system, if you will. But today it's a lot more complex. There's a lot more parts, as you had pointed out. And it really comes down to how do I move and, and make or expand and improve my, what I would call my network my infrastructure, if I will, that represents everything I do to drive collections. 
I like that. I mean, it's that that centralized piece, right? Being able to drive all of those other features and functions, because if you're going to be spending your time trying to build out digital communications platforms, for example, right? Like you still have to manage those individual accounts and you're going to need some system at the center that manages seven and seven. Right. Like all that reg F compliance, all of the compliance on all different aspects ultimately has to be kind of like filtered back or funneled into a single location to be managed. Right. And that's that truth that you speak of. So that just for compliance and the analytics and driving all that, you have to have that central hub. Right. And then everything off of it has to be highly integrated. And so information coming from telephony, texting, email, letters, everything has to come into this central database, if you will. And from that, you have that understanding, that knowledge and control and can drive next steps, events, activities across your entire network, if you will. Mm-hmm. So what, what types of systems or, or what types of technology are you seeing get applied to these? Like, let's, let's call it a hub and spoke type of, um, of technology approach, right? When it comes right. to kind of building these things, what kind of new technology are you seeing getting added to those application stacks now? Wow. Um, it depends on the organization, right? And their skills, their expertise, right? Uh, there is this quiet movement. Uh, you know, I would say you hear out in the market, it's all about AI and machine learning. But reality is, is that a lot of organizations are moving into this area where I have all this information now. How do I become smarter, more intelligent about my strategies, my conversations, my engagement, my compliance? Mm-hmm. So you're seeing a lot more analytics however that organization's ability are to drive analytics or use it. Uh, some are very sophisticated, us are less so, but everybody's quietly moving in that direction because you have all this information and they know that if I can mine it and leverage it correctly, it's going to affect my collections in a much more positive, compliant, mm-hmm. efficient, effective manner. So one of the things that we tend to talk about a lot when it comes to kind of the the technology pieces is artificial intelligence, right? Like that's the hot button issue. And as we talk about reporting and business intelligence, I always come back to kind of the terminology that reporting is talking about what has happened and helping me to understand the past. Whereas my bill, my business intelligence is helping me to predict the future. So looking at the playbooks and things from like a success KPI and those types of organizations that are kind of in that operational side and sucking in that data. Um, how, how do you view it from your perspective as you're kind of working through those reports? In your role at TEC, are you helping the organizations to build out those reports and to, to kind of understand that? Or is it more about the application or deployment of the technology itself? Or are you guys, well, like, I know you guys have two different yeah. divisions now. Well, I mean, it, it all starts with trying to understand, like, okay, let's, where are you? Where do you want to mm-hmm. go? And then, of course, you know, there's always a budget involved. But the idea <laughs> is that, like, Let's not do what you've always done. Let's talk about what you need to do going forward and how do we get there and what tools do you need to get there? So they always make that mistake. I was like, well, can you handle what we do, what we've done? And the answer in most cases is yes, but it's like, yeah, but what about? And mm-hmm. are you thinking of these terms? And, and they, oh, and it makes them step back. And then that's mm-hmm. when we start to help them understand that you can't, Let's not go. It's easy to go back to what we've been doing because it's comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And especially as you drill down in the organization and they go, oh, this is going to be more work, isn't it? Or, or things are going to change and maybe I'll be out of a job. But no, that's, that's not the case. 
I think that's always the reaction from people when they hear about artificial intelligence or other technology coming into their organization. There's always that fear factor if they don't have an understanding of it, especially if it's a, you know, someone who's a little bit further down the pipe and maybe not directly involved in the discussions related to uh, deploying the technology itself. Um, I mean, from what I've seen is, is really a lot of people moving into this digital communications realm and trying to apply text messaging and email and other things, and then not necessarily thinking about how they're flowing down into their payment portals and other pieces, which I think just further kind of complements how the hub and spoke comes together over time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you think it, you have to have that kind of analytics today, because uh, when I was back building uh, model scorecards, if you will, there was 10 to 12 variables, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the human mind can only handle five to eight or five or six at a time, weigh them, figure them out, and then leverage them, right? Mm -hmm. And then scorecards were in that 12 to 15 variable characteristics range. Well, machine learning today takes on way a lot more than that. And if you think about what you said earlier, mm -hmm. it, that it, you've got seven to seven deal, you got texting, you got emails, you've got letters, you've got the agent and that and their engagement. All these things are happening and applying analytics helps you figure out what you what you've done so far and what mm -hmm. you need to do next. Right. And what's the optimal thing to do next, given the parameters of cost, time, energy and you know regulatory requirements. Sure. And regulatory requirements obviously ends up very at the top of that list throughout this entire process and drives a lot of the features functions um, that we ultimately design and deploy because we have to do everything within these very strict parameters and being able to bounce around within those parameters right. is never easy. Um, you know, for someone who's looking for an organization that's looking to update their technology platform, right? And I think when it comes to creditors, one thing that is often overlooked from the banking side is that a lot of creditors are using a platform like a Latitude as a system of records separate for collections, pulling accounts out of their loan management system, because it is right. exactly that, a loan management system. Doesn't say collections anywhere in that term, did it? Um, and then having a different application by which to manage those accounts that are either delinquent or have completely charged off, but they're still looking to derive some value from it. Have you seen any changes with that? Is or, or is that still the case from a creditor perspective? Uh, I'm sure there there is that kind of you know that narrow use case, if you will. Hmm. But what we're I'm seeing a lot more is uh, especially the on the BPO or agency side hmm. of it where they're becoming more of the Swiss army knife, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Meaning I can handle early stage, your customer care. I want to handle your charge off. And oh, by the way, I can also serve as your agency management manager, managing mm -hmm. other agencies on your behalf, uh, whether it's pre or post charge off. And oh, by the way, uh, maybe we buy some debt along the way too. So the idea is that they want that system that has the utility, right? Yeah. And, and while there's no system that's perfect out there, there are a few. And, and it, you, you start with, okay, how robust is the system of record? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, then you get into the GUI and how does it work for the agent and so forth. And then it's the, how the biggest thing that they, they used to overlook, but they don't now is how easy is it to access the information and how easy is it to change or add information, mm -hmm. right? I mean, Adam, you Especially know, directly in the database. Right. Like right. at direct access to the data tables versus having to go through and manually do something through interfaces. Very different experiences. Right. right. And, and a lot of organizations have come to realize they're on some legacy systems and technology mm -hmm. will changes and that they're they're running on not open systems. 
and it's very difficult, if impossible, to get at the data, mm -hmm. right? To do the kind of things that we've been talking about today's discussion. Well, it's so, integrations, uh, right? There's a yeah. lot of data that has to go back and forth when you're dealing with the seven and seven, when you're doing the, right. uh, whether it be digital communications or, or whatever the case may be, but like right. there's a constant need for that. Yeah, absolutely there is. And, and so organizations, as you said, moving forward, wanna understand how open is the system or mm -hmm. the database? how accessible is the information how, how easy is it to add or change mm -hmm. because today's world you've got to be more nimble right things yeah. are moving a lot faster changing a lot quicker and then how adaptable is my system sounds easy but getting to that and finding out that is very difficult for, for some organizations that haven't changed their system in say 15 years yeah fair um, I, and I think some of these organizations get caught and like you were talking about, they get comfortable with what they're doing. They want to stay within their comfort zone. They don't want to branch out and start, you know, attacking this because it's a big lift to change your system, right? What would you say is an average timeline to change out a system of record? Like if you were going to go through a migration, <laughs> well, it's not 10 I years. Ask, <laughs> yeah, we, we deal with clients of all sizes and shapes and, it, and you know, it, it, it never changes. When we get on with them, like, well, we want it yesterday. So can we do it in four months? And I'm like, the reality is, it's more like nine months to a year because they have their day jobs. Mm -hmm. They have limited resources. You know, in today's world, everybody runs pretty thin, yeah. right? And they don't have that resources. And you have lots of events throughout the year where you have to take a break and focus on your, the business, whether mm -hmm. you bring on your customer or periods where collections takes precedent over, you know, onboarding any new any technology. So when you put that all together, it's, you know, somebody tells you, oh, we can have you up in four or five months. Well, then you're getting a shrink wrapped system with limited flexibility. And that goes counter to where everybody wants to go today. Increased flexibility, adaptability. Oh, I, I, I could even go deeper there and say that if you think you're going to roll that out in four to five months, don't call me. Like that's not a, that's not a, it's just not a realistic time frame. I've been through, I mean, I haven't been through as many as you, um, but I've been through quite a few system of record changes through the years. And I've, I don't think I've ever seen anybody successfully plan and execute that in under 12 months. And I say that, and, and there's a good three months of planning up front. I want to say a solid three months because it's not just about the data availability. It's about the feature function sets, right? The configurations that you're going to want to have. Like there's so many different features, functions, and options that are happening within a massive technology platform. And to have that be the core of your entire business, right? Like that's mission critical functionality. It's a little hard to, uh, to, to, to try and shove that into a small period. So right. especially if you're going to integrate third-party solutions. Oh, well, we run into that all the time where, you know, what do you want? Well, we use so-and-so and we use this and now we're looking and we're looking to expand and change. Mm -hmm. and, and they feel like they have to get everything decided up front. And again, it goes back to, you know, the new world of technology and the integration is around APIs. Mm -hmm. uh, while APIs are easy to use, you still have to think them through. And there is still middleware that has to make the, the APIs work with each other from organization to technology provider. And, but the idea is that in today's world, you don't have to get it right out of the gate, everything perfect. Mm -hmm. Long as your system and the way that you've set it up allows you to then quickly make your own changes, mm -hmm. quickly go in and adapt, refine, okay? And as long as you have that kind of a system and you understand how to leverage those tools and you're, you like doing what I call DIY, then you're in good shape. 
I'm very much a DIY uh, guy, especially when it comes to databases and technology. It was funny. I was hanging out with a friend last week, and we were talking through some system rollouts and stuff. And I went back and counted and realized I did like 15 different Salesforce deployments across the industry um, in the, like, call it the early 2010s. I, honestly, I don't even use Salesforce in a long time because I've migrated to totally different platforms. But let me ask you, let me ask you one last question here, Rob. You know, from your perspective, as organizations are uh, – they're, they're kind of kicking the tires, so to speak, and, and trying to think about where they're going to go in 2024, all of those things. What's that one big piece of advice that you would give to organizations and their executives if they're shopping and thinking about kind of updating that whole ecosystem? Yeah, uh, I think know what you want, mm-hmm. understand what it's going to take. And there is a disconnect between the rank and file and a lot of times in the executives. Mm-hmm not only where they want to go and, and what they want to have to be able to do that, but also what they had before. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of them at, at the executive level think, oh, yeah, well, we had that already. Well, no, you had Jimmy in the back room that was spinning two plates. and it, None of it was automated. Uh, so it, it's do your homework first mm-hmm. in terms of what you have, how you had it, and how it was done, and then what you want to do and how you plan to get there. A lot of people really haven't done the work to plan and when we say, okay, let's map out your workflows. No, not how they were, but how you want them to be going forward. Oh, a big brain cramp happens. And then, you know, TEC is like, we can give them some best practices in that case. But uh, that's what I recommend. It's difficult for, organization, for organizations to start with a totally blank slate. And I think and oh, unless yeah. you have that, like there's, there's people that have that blank slate skill set and people that don't, and it's hard to get going. And I think a lot of times in projects, I, I kind of try and put something in front of the client to get them right. talking about what their real needs are. But I want to expand on your, um, your answer here a little bit and say, I, I would, I would add to what you said and say, go deep because you, you kind of brushed over and you're like, you know, there's a disconnect between the executives and the line level people that are working. I would say in your planning stage, go deep, go down and talk to everybody management by walking around. I don't want to be all Douglas McGregor about it, but management by walking around, like interacting with those team members and staff members at all areas and levels and make sure that every department's got at least one representative in the room. And that's not in the room as you go through the detailed technical talks. That's in the room when you're planning. How do these departments work together? One person that you can trust from each one of those departments, get everybody in a room and start with the beginning account workflow. Once you go through account workflow, everything else can start to be beat on from there, but you'll find your own way at that point. For those that have blank slate-itis, that's that's a good kickoff point. Yeah, and I totally agree with you 100%. You're absolutely right. And I would tell them that it's the easy route in the middle of it all mm-hmm. is to revert back and say, well, let's just let's just do file-based transfer of accounts. Right now. Let's not do the APIs. We'll come back to that. Mm-hmm. Never come back to it. A lot of organizations. Yeah. So try to hold the line, be disciplined, see the vision, move towards the vision, and and don't deviate if you can help it. Well, Rob, I really appreciate you sharing these insights with me. I think that is a great way for people to approach these kinds of projects. And clearly you've spent enough time doing this stuff. So I appreciate (laughs) you coming on here and having a chat with me and helping to share these insights with our audience. Adam, it's always great being on with you, regardless of the topic. Thank you for the today. Appreciate it. Absolutely. For those of you that are watching, if you have additional questions you'd like to ask Rob or myself, you can leave those in the comments on LinkedIn and YouTube, and we'll be responding to those. If you have additional topics you'd like to see us discuss, you can leave those in the comments below or just stop us at the upcoming RMAI conference and say hello.
Um, and I'm pretty <laughs> sure I can get Rob to come back at least one more time to help me continue to create great content for a great industry. But until next time, everybody, thank you so much for watching. And Rob, thank you so much for joining. You got to take care. Adam. All right, everybody. We'll see you again soon.